Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Good to have you back here, you maximizers, as you maximize your success, your income, your relationships, everything you want in life. Kurt Mortensen here. This is Maximize Your Influence podcast number 436. I hope things are going well, going well for me, that you're achieving your goals, you're doing what you need to, that you're learning the valuable life skills that you should have learned in school. I was teaching a public speaking course this week, college level, better at the persuasive presentation. One of my first questions was, how many, when you graduate, are going to persuade for a living? (laughs) I guess I shouldn't laugh. It was very sad. Maybe a fourth. I'm like, no, really? Don't you get the questions? Parents, teachers, leaders, managers, no matter what you do, you're all going to persuade and sell for a living. And slowly all the hands went up trying to prove that point. Then I also asked, how many think that degree you're spending so much money on is going to help you get a job? Now, it's probably not a good thing to ask to college students, but I did want to illustrate the point along with my previous point is, yeah, it will. It'll get you in the door. It'll get you the interview. But from there, uh, hello, leadership, people skills, persuasion skills, rapport, emotional intelligence. Those are things that will get you the job and get you promoted. Yes, any HR manager. Get them honest. Get them alone. And they'll say, yeah, they know within seconds if they're going to hire somebody. Is it fair? Doesn't matter. We don't deal with fair here. We deal with reality. So let's take care of some housekeeping and we'll dive into it. Everything I'm going to be talking about today is going to be posted at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube under Maximize Your Influence. Any questions, hit me up at Kurt, K-U-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And of course, everything you need from product, services, coaching, the perfect persuasive presentation template, all at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. All right, send me an email. And of course, you know, if we use your email on the show, you get free access to the gold version of InfluenceUniversity.com, which is your intense 52-week. And I say that not to overwhelm you, but a tool a week, a few minutes a week. Learn it, master it, apply it, use it. It becomes a part of who you are. That's the key to success. So, the persuasion blunder. Homer? Don't, don't, don't! Now, I've monitored over 10,000 presentation speeches, both corporate and the collegiate world, and until you become audience-centered, the audience really connects with you, believes you, likes you, that you can really show them maybe the before and after picture to where, hey, I get it. I've been overweight. I've been broke. I've had disobedient children. I've been depressed. Whatever it is, People miss that connection. They just get up there and they just go and they say what they want to say. So I'm monitoring this presentation. I'm one of the judges and it's an important topic. Environment, going green. A lot of people are talking about it. Here comes this person. I've been a member of Greenpeace for, I don't remember what the years were. It was just a very condescending, I'm better than you tone. Now, I don't know a lot about Greenpeace. I know they help out around the world. But just the way it was said, that condescending attitude, like, oh, you are here and I'm here. Instead of starting equal, like I get you, 
and even called members of the audience queen of trash. <laughs> of course, it doesn't help. So here you have this important topic, and this person was obviously passionate about it, really believed in it, but it was so preachy, so condescending that everyone just wanted to go out and litter and, no, maybe not, chop down a tree? No, I'm kidding on that one. But I mean, sometimes, even though deep down you know should be doing better maybe at a few things, just if people are condescending the way they ask, whether they get preachy, I'm better than you, how could you be so weak, <laughs> whatever it is, that is the blunder. Because if you would have taken that presentation, well, most of that presentation, the Queen of Trash thing, maybe not, but read it, it would have been a lot more persuasive. But it was a kind of a condescending attitude and it just didn't connect with the audience and people considered it anti-suasion. So even though there were quotes and statistics and the whole bit, when it's delivered the wrong way, it's going to have the opposite approach and that's going to be our blunder of the week. So the safety tip here is be audience-centered. It's about them. Get in their shoes. What's in it for them? What concerns them? What part of it can you connect with them? Not all 10 things, maybe one or two things. Show them your before picture. Yeah, I used to litter too. <laughs> Man, I used to chop down trees every day. Whatever it is. But you've changed. And then make the solution easy. Look, we don't expect you to join Greenpeace. We don't expect you to do this. Can you maybe just get a reusable water bottle? Let's start there. That simple thing. So it was crazy. It was really interesting when uh, I did the polling and the evaluation, whole anti-suasion, most people were upset and wanted to do the opposite. Not that they would, but that's just something that came across in that. So be audience-centered. Know your presentation so well. Again, I'm assuming this is a presentation that's important to you, that your bandwidth is on the audience, connecting with the audience, not in the recall. That can make a big shift in that too. All right, let's go to our email. Oh, boy. And that'll launch us into our Geeky Scarly article. Because Dave from Rhode Island also sent me not only an email, but a link to take a look at a Geeky Scarly article. So, Dave, let's see. Kurt, I know you teach not to use those hardball negotiation tactics or dirty deeds, as you call them. I need to negotiate a raise this month, and my boss is a dirty negotiator. I fear anything goes. <laughs> Should I use some hard tactics back? Do you recommend any? I provided a link to this Harvard article on 10 hard bargaining negotiation skills. Thoughts? <laughs> well, I've seen that article before. Let's take a look at it. And then I'll help you out with some negotiation. My concern here, Dave, and this is nothing personal. This goes out to everybody. A lot of times we wait till the last second to learn about this. Have you ever watched the show The Office in the United States? I think 10 minutes before a negotiation, they went to Wikipedia or something like that to look at a few techniques. Is that better than nothing? <laughs> Maybe. But this is a lifelong pursuit. So my concern is this. Whether it's one week or two weeks, this is something you should be learning, practicing all along. Because you can't send a two to negotiate with a 10. If your boss is already a 10 and you're at two and you expect to get to a 10 in a couple days, I don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe it could. I don't know. But that's something important to think about as you learn these skills, not to jump on YouTube 10 minutes before you need it to use these type of techniques. So let's take a look at this article. Again, I'll post that at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, titled 10 Hard Bargaining Negotiation Skills. Now, remember my rule before we even get to this article. 
Persuade first, negotiate second. Too many times we meet in the middle, we, we give up things we don't need to. Most of the time we can persuade people. When you're really good at what you do and they can see the benefits to them and why they should do that and you're passionate about what you do, it can change the game for you. But Dave, I'm not a big fan of these. I mean, if you go to any negotiation boot camp at Harvard that I put on, you look at the bargaining table. You get expert negotiators. And expert negotiators are taught to get three or four does before they can say yes, even though it's a win-win situation. But the key is, is being prepared. You talk about one of the biggest blunders is people just show up, they're not prepared, or they're prepared 10 minutes before with their Wikipedia or their YouTube video. So be very careful here. Now, I teach the dirty deeds, not so people use them, but the prepared for them. I mean, some are not that dirty, maybe, but, but I would rather start nice. A Harvard study I read a while back did show that, it, you know, just by starting a little nice, being a little open, maybe making the first offer can bump your success rate by 4%. So here's what they teach you. There's, there's two different types of negotiation. There's the distributive, hard, never going to see them again, win-lose, out of my way, I'm going to get this happen, this is a contest, and I'm going to win. The other one's called collaborative, back, forth, let's talk, let's take a look at it, let's take a look at this, your numbers, making the pie bigger. That's what you're looking for. Now, if you're never going to see the person again, and let me just add my two cents, you probably will, unless you're in a foreign country negotiating for knickknacks and you're pretty sure you're not coming back, maybe. If it has to be done in one day, maybe. You've tried everything else, maybe. But we always want to start off with more of the collaborative, open mind. Hey, I'll make the first offer. And let me put it out there. Studies do show when you make the first offer, it does open people up. It does build a trust. And hello, you get better terms. Like what? Yeah, if you're the expert and you know the numbers, start first. Go first. That creates the anchor or the starting point of the negotiation. Now, if you're clueless, have no idea what something's worth and you haven't done your homework, don't go first. But when you're the expert and you know, it's okay to do it. Or we go back to the distributive, take it or leave it. Give me your final offer. Do it or else type things. Again, I don't recommend those. If they start off with them, what I would recommend is just smile. It's not getting to you. The worst thing with these techniques, these tactics, the personalities that do this, it's like blood in the water, like a shark. When they see you're getting into their skin, you're starting to get angry, you're going to get more. So... The main thing with this article is not to use these necessarily, but don't be kind of prepared with people that are using them. Sometimes you can match them up. It comes from the book Beyond Winning. First, what they talk about, I talked about is the anchor. Big, huge demands followed by slow or small concessions. They're trying to adjust your perception of value, budget, of time, where they go super high. They might use the commitment tactics. They call it the... Sheep and wolf's clothing. <laughs> oh, I'm not very good. I mean, I haven't done this before. You seem really good at this. Like, yeah, look out because they're coming to get it. Anybody that has a take it or leave it offer, you have to decide right now. I remember with my daughter, she was trying to join this. I don't know, it was a club or something like that. And it was like, you have to decide the next 10 minutes. I'm like, can I look this over? No, 10 minutes. I'm like, time to walk. So if your boss, Dave, is... In your face, don't let it get to you. Have your numbers ready. I'll give you a few pointers here in a second to do it the right way. So any personal attacks, you sit in a seat that's a little shorter than everyone else. Yeah, they still train on that. Being in the sunshine, turning up the heat, smoking in a non-smoking room, getting food, not offering any. Roll with it. 
go with this. The meeting's at 9, it's 9.30. You got to decide, are you walking or are you just going to prepare and not let it get to you? So the personal insults, trying to get under your skin, you just smile, take it. It's almost like adult teasing. Now, as a child, if you remember, the goal to a good tease is a reaction. <laughs> when you get into reaction, it's no fun. You're walking. If they're heckling, saying mean things about you, your mom, your background, threats, warnings, making fun of your ideas, you're in control. It's not getting to you. You visualize not getting angry. And a negotiation, only one person angry at a time. And it shouldn't be you. We've got over that. So I would rather have remaining control. I mean, go through them. Look at them. There's some ones here. They're definitely dark tactics that will be used or still trained on that are still out there. So I would just be careful, stay in control. In fact, let me give you some tidbits on how to do this the right way. Think about all the family gatherings when they're talking about COVID or politics or anything or religion. Has anybody ever persuaded somebody when they're in their face, arguing, yelling, spitting, getting mad at each other, telling them each other they're stupid? Has that ever persuaded anybody? In fact, go back to the archives and maximize your influence. I did a podcast called Boomerang Effect where it's, it's actually the opposite. They hold on tighter to their views. So this is not a time to back someone into a corner. So how do we do this? How do we negotiate a raise? Will there some common mistakes? What can you do different? Just like before, I so said, do your homework. You know your worth. You know what other people are making in other cities and your cities. What are the averages in your company around you and the industry? Know your worth in a confident, not an arrogant, but in a confident way. You've kept track of all your accomplishments, all your wins, all your victories. You know the salary data for your position. You know the range. You know your market value. And you're not going to lead with that, but you're doing your research ahead of time. Then spend a little time just to get in their brain. What's their personality? How can you make them look good? You know, what's in it for them to give you this promotion, this raise? Is it going to make them look bad? Is it going to make them look good? Are you going to help them with their next promotion? Do they have the authority to even do it? Those are some things you want to think about. Remember, it's all about them. They're making the decision. You're not coming out. Give me a raise. All right, you're fired. Get out. <laughs> Are you ready for that? I don't know, but this is together. You're working together on this. And be prepared for the no. Remember I talked about most people, especially it sounds like your boss is a trained evil. I don't throw that in. Maybe a dark, dirty negotiator. They're not saying yes till maybe three, four, five no. So get some of the no's out of the way. That's okay. Don't let that set you back. And here's one of the big keys a lot of people think about. They're all money, money, more money, more money. Okay, money's good. That's fun, right? We want more money, prove our worth. But maybe there's other solutions. Maybe their hands are tied behind their back. How can you make the pie bigger? Are there bonuses, options, PTO, more vacation time, health club, car lease, work from home more? There could be other solutions. Helicopter to work. Right? If you live in a big city like New York or Chicago, you got to know taking an elevator down to work means you're making it. <laughs> so think about some different things, not just the money, 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 especially if you think in a corporate culture where their hands might be tied, where there's certain limitations, you're already at the top of the scale. That is a good way to look at it. It could be put onto a committee. It could be fill in the blank. You know that better than I do. And one you don't want to hear because you want to be one and done. All right, you have your 10 minutes to get ready for this. 
if this is really important, practice with somebody else. You know, when you talk about giving a persuasive presentation, 50% is putting your thoughts together. The other percent is the practicing. Oh, that sounded good in my head. Yeah, you're practicing, you're editing. Organize your thoughts, put it together. Even if you're practicing with yourself, practice with someone else. Are you going to go first? The more you do this, the more confidence you're going to have, the more fears you're going to erode away, and you don't have to wing it. You'll look more prepared. You are more prepared. And when that happens, again, the fear starts to go away. Your confidence increases. Your passion even comes through a little bit more, that you're not there just to get more money, but you really love working there. I'm, I'm hoping. That's why you're asking for the raise. You like working there. You're, you're doing stuff. That makes a big difference are some of the things that you might want to think about. And remember, slow is fast. Does it have to be done in that meeting? Can you give them some time to think about it? You don't want to get a no right away because turning a no into a yes is very difficult compared to a maybe into a yes. I'll look into it into a yes. Again, I know you want to be one and done, but maybe a couple of meetings, a little persuasion of the time, a little time to prove your worth, a little time for them to do some research, a little time for you to come up with some more options. Just be careful in the mindset there. Your goal here is just to focus on the future. We're in this together. We're creating a vision. We're not focusing on the past so much. I mean, you want your past successes, but you're building a picture where they can see that you are a benefit. You're just not there. I want to raise. I want to raise more money because that could cause resistance. Consider how your company's doing. If they're next to bankruptcy or they just lost $100 million, maybe you want to wait a month or two. <laughs> Is the economy not doing well? Is it getting crazy? Are there viruses running around? Whatever it is, consider how the company's doing, the stress level, the people around you. You don't want to go into that office just after they receive bad news, bad report, bad numbers. Take their mood into consideration, the time in consideration. So those are some things just to think about, to get prepared for, to do, to think things through, to practice. Where a big mistake here is you let yourself get angry, upset. How dare they? They don't value you. You've been working there for 10 years. You've done this and this. You put your heart and soul into it. Get emotionally involved. There'll be some anger, some frustration, some resentment, all mixed together in a nice little drink of low emotional intelligence. Keep your emotions in control. So emotional intelligence, timing. In fact, I read a study the other day. This is not a good thing for Monday, right? Monday, probably not even Friday. And the study I read shows that you're more likely to get a raise if you ask on Thursday. There you are, magic day, ask on Thursday. So timing, you're ready. You're not there to give threats. You're emotionally, you're centered. You're not there to give it an ultimatum. Know that slow is fast. So do you feel the theme here? Be likable. Don't bruise their esteem. If you've studied max of influence, you know one of the laws is the law of esteem. Bottom line is you bruise their self-esteem. You back them in a corner. You try to make them feel dumb. You try to win the argument. It shuts the doors to influence. But if you can praise them, show them how you benefit them, that you're on their team, that you're going to make them look good, boost their ego and esteem, it opens the doors to influence. Hello, we know that to be true. That's a big piece of this. So, Dave, there you have it. We talked about the Geeky Scarly article, which I will post. We got into our blunder of the week. Be audience-centered. It's about them, and that's the key. So, there you have it. You can't send a two to negotiate with the ten. You can't learn it in ten minutes. I don't know how much time you have, 
but learn new skills, learn a tool every week. So take something you learn, apply it, use it, get rid of those mistakes and blunders, add the new useful tools to your toolbox, it'll make a huge difference. And we talked a lot about presentations today, doing a lot with the perfect persuasive presentation. Here's the deal, still available. You go to presentationiq.com, 10 questions, you help with my research, we get to peg your strengths and maybe some areas to work on. You get access to my webinar, The Perfect Persuasive Presentation, which has the template, the format, everything you need to know so you're not just informing people, but you're influential. Let me coach you. Let me walk you through it. Let me help you become a better presenter and persuader. So become a better negotiator. Learn the skills ahead of time. Know that we all influence for a living and go out and persuade with power.